1: There's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting.
2: It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals.
0: How do hey. I start it?
1: Brittany,
2: my name. My, is, my <laughs>
0: Does my hair look okay? It's
2: fantastic. My name is
1: Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Billy Moulds is the modern mountain man that's his tv show that's his uh his brand his organization and literally the guy decided that hunting was it hunting was the thing that he wanted to do and so from a kid in Wisconsin he moved out to Montana got his guides license and then moved to Alaska and has been guiding essentially in Alaska for the last 25 years Funny enough, he did all this because he wanted to hunt the Alaska wilderness, the doll sheep, the brown bear, the grizzly, the caribou. And the guy hasn't killed any of them. All he does is he guides people, and the satisfaction he gets from doing that satiates this thing that he loves so much, which is hunting. A short, sharp, powerful 30-minute conversation with Billy Moles.
2: This will all be edited, so if I say something too outlandish, we can we can edit it. Because no, like if it were we me, I wouldn't edit we, it.
1: We don't edit podcasts.
2: Oh, very well. So this is legit. All right, this
1: is legit, man. We are we don't play around, my man. So I will say this: you. It's been a while since this we've we've planned this podcast because for the first time ever. And anyone that I reached out to from a podcast, I reached out to you in July last year, right? And Not the right? response I got back was, uh, I'm going to be gone. Reach back out to me in January. Not like reach back out to me in two weeks or three weeks. I'm gone for six months. I'm like, holy smokes, who is this guy? <laughs> so put a reminder in my phone reach out to billy moles in january of 2022 and here we are my man
2: very good yeah glad you did it yeah um so i Where'd mean I'm not, gone, to? I'm not i'm sorry Which sorry. you disappeared to well i wasn't gone for an entire six months but uh i went to the brooks range of alaska for oh i guess a month and a half and then i I had, um, oh, about 10 days in between, then my Peninsula brown bear season, and then I had a speaking gig in Northern California. As soon as I got home, we did a family vacation, and so we were gone for 10 days there, and then my whitetail season comes about. Um, Yeah, and I'm just... uh, So the time before I leave, you know, a couple weeks before I leave is obviously pretty stressful, and then coming home, getting caught up on stuff, um, you know, back in my young single days, I'd basically be in the wilderness somewhere between April through Thanksgiving, you know, between Alaska for spring brown bear, then guide fishermen all summer, and then do the fall season in Alaska. And then I'd go to Idaho and guide there in the Frank Church River and I'll return. And then I'd come home Thanksgiving time and basically milk cows and pound nails back here in Wisconsin for the winter months. But, um, once, once I got married, started having kids, I started slowing down a bit. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of what I've been up to.
1: Well, Billy Moles, welcome to the Blood Origins Podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself to the folks that may not know you?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Billy Moles, born and raised in a farm in Wisconsin, and uh, just started trapping as a kid, dreamed of uh, living um, the lifestyle of a mountain man, and I started once I started trapping on my own, the uh, fur market fell out in, I believe, 88, 89, 90, something like that. I realized, okay, I can't make a living as a trapper. And about that time, I was around 12, and I started hunting. And my grandpa was pretty influential in my life, and and he he told me he's like, if you want outdoor adventure, Alaska's where you where you got to go. He's like, I, I contacted outfitters up there, but I he said it's pretty expensive to do. And he goes, I never made it. I never realized that dream, and I didn't want to go to college. So uh, yeah, I found an ad in the back of an Outdoor Life magazine um, for a guide school in Montana headed there after high school and, uh, you know, I was scared as hell to be quite frank. And I remember, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'd, I'd never been more than 200 miles away from my family farm, you know? Sure. And, uh, I didn't even know if I could, if I would find Montana. <laughs> so, I uh, worked in this, uh, factory in a creamery for 10 months. So I could afford to buy a pickup truck, drove out to Montana and uh worked for an outfitter in uh, Idaho that fall and then that winter I just wrote called emailed every outfitter I could find in Alaska I told him I was a farm kid from Wisconsin greener than grass didn't know anything about hunting in Alaska but I was willing to do whatever it took and uh, found a guy that hired me is basically a human mule and uh just schlepped camping supplies into the mountains and schlepped hides and antlers and meat out of the mountains for a couple of years just like most people do you know start out as a packer
1: got mm-hmm. a guy's
2: license and that's been That's
1: that. four years now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, um, you certainly have, uh, obviously, an acumen that is hunting rich, okay? Um, let me ask this question. And, you know, when it comes to blood origins, we're always interested in people's heart and people's why, behind why they hunt. You hunt because you love to kill things, right, Billy?
2: Um. You know, I think when I started out I didn't, and then somewhere in the middle I did, and now I'm pretty much back where I started out. Where it's I do it because it's part of it. Um I would say I'm more confounded when I walk up to a wild animal now than I ever have been. I, I think What do you I,
1: mean you're confounded?
2: Uh I take it more seriously. I um I'd like to think that I have more reverence for the animal than I ever have. Um, You know, I mean, it's, I I just like, I don't think any person will ever, or at least for me, I will never fully understand the connectivities of nature. Mm -hmm. I will never fully understand my role in it. Mm -hmm. And I will never understand the entire meaning and relationship of everything in nature and you know the, just the humility i would say the humility that i feel of you know taking an animal's life and and walking up to it and what that means and um yeah i don't know it's like the longer i do it the the deeper the meaning i mean it's it's who i am uh, i i mean i totally believe that we're 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 part man's part of nature, you know. And yeah, you know, when I when I went to Alaska, my my dream was to, you know, I wanted to be a guide because I didn't figure I'd be able to afford to hunt Alaska any other way.
1: Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. And so I figured, well, maybe I can make a career out of this thing. And I figured, you know, eventually over time, eventually I'll hunt sheep, I'll hunt brown bear, grizzly bear, moose, all that stuff. And, you know, after twenty-four years of doing it, I've never I've never even bought a big game tag of my own. I've never so why shot a is that? I, Honestly, I have no desire to do it. Um, you know, for me, the greatest satisfaction that I get is to take a 60-year-old man that dreamed of hunting doll sheep his whole entire life. You know, since he was a 10-year-old boy, he read it in Outdoor Life magazine, you know, in the magazine. Right. And now he's 62 years old or whatever, and he's got two artificial knees. And that guy has got one climb in him. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go out, if you're, if you're an ultra marathoner, you can go out and you can kill a dull sheep in most country pretty easy, eventually just by, you know, process of, of, of elimination or just give yourself enough opportunity, right? Climb enough mountains, you'll get it done. You'll figure it out. And that's how I started. The first sheep hunt I was ever on, I was the guide. But after 22 years of sheep hunting and making countless mistakes, now what I love is taking that 62 year old man and making sure that that one climb that he's got in him physically results in a sheep. So mm-hmm. I'm able to take my, all of my failures, all of my mistakes and make someone else's dream a reality. Life doesn't get any better than that. There's, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't need any heads on my wall just to see that guy smile. And you know, for that guy to send me a Christmas card or something like that, it's like life doesn't get any better than that.
1: Do you think hunters have almost – do you think hunters need to go through that transition? You know, they speak about the evolution of hunting. And when I was I was a late adult onset hunter, 26, and when I started hunting, I was in that phase where I just wanted to kill as much as I possibly could, you know, the sort of bloodlust phase. Is that something that we have to just embrace and we almost just – is it something that sticks with people or is it something that we can – Like, I've got two young boys. I don't know. Do you have kids, Billy?
2: Yep. Yep. Three daughters. Is
1: it something that we could, like, is it based on the narrative that I give my kids on how we hunt, why we hunt, all the things that we're talking about right now, is that phase shortened from a bloodless perspective and they move into the phase of what we're talking about here, which is this reverence for this thing that we love so much?
2: I would say we're products of our environment, you know, so whatever we see, we're going to tend to emulate. Okay. So, um, you know, a trophy buck, you know, was a big deal when we were, you know, you know, when I was a kid for sure. Um, but, but I, like, I remember when I was trapping, when I was real little, my first memories with my grandpa was like, how he could put a trap and how he knew that animal was going to set its foot in that little four inch circle of space. Like that's what captivated me. And like when I, the first time I was muskrat trapping and I realized there was no evidence of man anywhere around me, like something made me come alive. And then for me, it's when I started hunting and I came across, I had this goal of shooting uh, a Pope and young whitetail. Okay. So that was kind of okay. a realistic goal, but they were few and far between. And, and I remember I was going through the toughest time in my life. It was a period where I went through a period of like two years of depression where like, I, I mean, I thought about suicide on a daily basis, except when I was in the wilderness of Alaska, when I was in the wilderness, like everything was good. Like
1: mm-hmm. just
2: the real world and me have just never meshed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, that hunt, I, I crawled up in a tree and I pulled my bow up. And I mean, the, the deer was coming before I had my bow up and I got my bow, untied it and put my release on. And I basically, in one fluid motion, I all drew my arrow and I shot the buck. He was like 10 yards away and he was big. I I didn't know he was there, but I knew it was, you know, a Pope and young buck. And I made a perfect shot and the buck ran away. And I remember feeling elated for about three seconds. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it was just, it just crumbled down on me. And it just said, Billy, this doesn't change who you are. This doesn't change anything about your life. And I'd realized that in the hunting realm, shooting that buck had been my goal for roughly 10 years. It took me, I don't know, somewhere between eight and 10 years to, to shoot a Pope and young buck. And I just realized how shallow and ego driven, that you know, that blood lust, if you know, if you want to call it that, I mean, that's basically what it was. I just realized that, yeah, I was, I was hunting for something that would, could not ever possibly be satisfied. It was a hollow, it was a hollow, empty thing. And so I think probably everybody has to uh, go through some of that to like, you know, I think it's just like anything you've got to go. It's kind of like, you know, so much of what we have in social media and anything in life, but in hunting, we want to learn all these tricks. We want to get all these life hacks and all those things. But like, when I look back at it, the greatest lessons that I've ever learned are the ones that caused me the most pain. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, for some strange reason, I, I take, um, enjoy that process of the pain and the misery. I always say life is lived in the valleys, not in the mountaintops.
1: Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you
2: go through the valleys, the mountaintops take care of themselves. Everybody, mm-hmm. I find that the more I focus on the mountaintops, the more miserable I am because I'm not present in the valley. And when we're present in the valley and it's hard to do, <laughs> um, the that's life. Life's lived in the valley. The mountaintops take care of themselves. So, to answer your question, I think everybody has to go through it. And I think some people, I've been very fortunate because I've been around so many hunters and I've shared so many campfires with men. And usually you can see how they approach hunting. You know, I'm with them 10 days, and you can see that how they approach hunting is usually parallel to how they approach life. If if you know every conversation you're talking about this guy is with money he's usually the same score, same guy that when you're talking about hunting it's all about scores record books that sort of thing the guy that's talking about his family the moments that he had with his son you know the times that he failed as a father the times that he failed about his husband you know as a husband or whatever he's usually the guy that when you know the stock fails he's like man that was exciting you know what I mean? He's, yeah, he's disappointed with right, right, right. the animal, but he recognizes, hey, this is part of the journey. And, you know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'd say it's pretty much how, how how a guy approaches hunting is usually, I find, how they approach life.
1: You talked about the shallowness and ego uh, tied to um, that buck sort of story. Do you think that's the problem with the hunting industry today? You've been in it a long time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll share this with you. I did a television show. Like I came up with the title, the modern day mountain man, you know, looking back at it now, I wish I would have never included the, I mean, it was such a small thing, but like I never thought of like myself as the modern day mountain man, but
1: like for
2: some reason I put a the in there and, but it was like the lifestyle that that's what I wanted to, you know, to kind of convey. But I, so I did this television show and I remember watching these other television shows and I'm like, man, I could produce something that's totally new and would be better than what's out there. And so I produced this show, I mean, very much on a budget. I just film it myself as I'm guiding all this stuff that I'm filming. I just film it myself. So I I, I realized like, okay, I have basically know overhead other than a video camera. Mm-hmm film this TV show. And the first year I, you know, get nominated for some awards on the sportsman's channel and, you know, it's going pretty good, but I realized that the game is the only way you can recoup any costs is to get advert, uh, dollars from sponsors. Sponsors, and basically right. they're there, you know, everything has changed. The dynamics have changed. You know, this was 15 over 15, 17, 18 years ago. And so then I did it a second season and I'm like, well, eventually my, my content, I got to hold faith that my content will be so well received that, you know, uh, advertisers or marketing people won't care how much I plug their products because basically they didn't really care how good your show was. All they were worried about is how many episodes will you showcase our products? And I'm like, well, I really don't do that. Well, they basically they they basically just plugged their ears at that for point. Sure, and absolutely. And so after that of getting burned and I mean just losing tons of money, I'm just like, oh, this this is not for me. And so I quit. And then that next year, I mean, I went from filming like 25 hours of footage a year, and then that next the third year, I did two years of TV. Then I filmed like seven, and I just was burned out on it. And then after a while, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to produce DVDs. I'm just going to film. The stuff that I want to film. I'm not going to worry about sponsors because then that was just taking up my time when I'm in the wilderness of Alaska. I didn't have the uh, advantage of like doing whitetail and turkey stuff that I could do outside my backyard. Mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. I was there guiding, I obviously had to focus on guiding my hunters. And so I kind of got away from that and uh, I just started producing films. And I recognized that, you know, the more personal I was and the more that I just was who I was and told the message that. I would want to share with my grandpa back home because that's why I started filming my hunts in the first place. And the more honest I was about my experiences and my hunters experiences and got out of the mold of making a quote unquote hunting video, the more people appreciated it and seemed to respond positively. And then eventually it just got to the point where it was like holding the camera and narrating the hunt was basically second nature. Um, so yeah, that's a long answer to your question. Is hunting? But is that
1: ego? Long? Is that is that you promoting Billy Moles?
2: I don't. I'd like to think not. I I don't think that I'm promoting anything. I mean, I matter of fact, I usually tell my hunters when I when I allow them to speak in front of the camera, I'm like, I don't want you to promote me at all. I did, or to promote anybody. I just want you to tell what's your experience. Like I always figured, my goal is to. Show people that have never been to Alaska what the wilderness, hunting in the wilderness of Alaska is truly like. And for Mm -hmm. those who have been to Alaska, I want them, I want to bring them back to their own experiences. And one thing that I've found is so often when I look back at basically every hunt that I've ever had, um, when I can recollect on that, particularly as I watch like footage back or, you know, watch the hunt of old Usually the thing that sticks out to me the most about a particular hunt is something that at the time that it happened, it seemed um, mundane or uninteresting, but two, three, four, five, 10 years down the line, some of those seemingly insignificant details oftentimes have a tendency to be the most impactful for us in in the long run.
1: Did you, in in the filming sequence, because we've had this conversation with Uh, a bit of a controversial podcast that we, that we pushed out and the individual on this podcast talked about, uh, if we're going to film things, you need to film everything. Do you film everything? The failures, the misses?
2: Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, that comes and I've wrestled with that at times. It comes with a, you know being with in the public eye, I struggle with it to be honest i i want to be what do you struggle
1: favorite. with though you struggle with the the reality showing reality or if it's a from for, for instance a bad shot and it's a gut shot and it's not very pleasant to watch now we get i i get the latter i I don't get the beginning
2: uh uh what uh, so I'm sorry, you lost me.
1: I, and I, I lost myself because the beginning didn't make any sense either. Sorry.
2: No, no I, I think I'm following. Like, you <laughs> no. Know, what I'm saying really is, you want
1: follow- to show. We want to show reality, right? Yes. And I was asking, do you show all of the reality? Now, there's parts of that reality. Uh, if there is a wounded animal, uh, for example, that you don't really want to show because it's not pleasant to see, it's not pleasant to watch, even for a hunter.
2: Yeah, I would say that I show ninety nine percent um like the bloody animals rolling down the mountain i sh- i i mean i tend to show that
1: um mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the
2: thing that i that i struggle with is i kind of figure if i'm posting stuff in the public realm i have a responsibility to to not allow things to be misinterpreted because perception is magnified and so i i find that if if i'm if there's anything that i'm holding back it is because I don't want people to misconstrue to their own narrative, to where a vast majority of the people would easily be able to latch onto and you know potentially defame or use against hunters and hunting. If if that makes sense, uh, but but I'd say that makes complete sense. I would That's say exactly
1: me- what all hunters should be doing. Yeah, all hunters should be thinking about the content that they are about to. In whatever shape or form, they should be thinking about the content that they're going to push out into the into this social, you know, into the social sphere.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So that that's that's kind of a heavy. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it a burden, but I feel that's a pretty heavy responsibility. You know, for me, I don't have a cameraman, so I mean, there's very, very little. I'd say the biggest thing that I um, cut out would be swearing. Um, I like it to be authentic and real, but in the same token, I don't want to offend a grandpa and his eight-year-old son watching something. You know, I'd say that's, I'd say those two things are probably the biggest things. And also I never want to put my clients, my hunters, I never want to show things that are going to, um, you know, belittle or demean them. You know, if they make a mistake, I, you know, I'm not so worried. I mean, I show plenty of my own failures on there uh, because I don't care at this point. I I don't, I don't really have any These are failures, not
1: of you hunting, though. These are failures of you guiding.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like if I make a mistake, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to. I'd like to think that minor my videos are some of the most raw, authentic, and real. But it's probably never 100%. I I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, it's the thing that that we
1: need to think about, right? Uh, Hunters, as hunters, uh, we have a catchphrase inside of Blood Origins that thinking is going to save hunting.
2: Hmm. yeah no, i'm not a good thinker. i'm not <laughs> like here's here's what i love this is this is my but idea you've just
1: expressed a bunch of thought to me you've just yeah. expressed a bunch of like i do think before yeah. i do this i do think before i do that
2: uh, and i'd say that's that's been one of the greatest things of the filming is like i try not to like I, I want to be present. There's sometimes there's some things that I've seen in the wilderness where I'm just like, "Wow, let's say a bear comes out and a wolf, you know, a wolf and a bear, a grizzly bear are fighting over a kill." And there's times where I'm just sitting there like this and I've got my video camera in my pocket and I'm just watching it and I don't film it, you know? And I'm kind of like mad at myself like, "Why didn't you pull out the camera? You missed that." But in the same token, it's like if you're trying to film everything, you you're not wholly present either. And and so that's, so doesn't like, that, not- doesn't
1: that detract though, Lily? So again, the same controversial individual would say that because you have a camera with you, you are not hunting and you just admitted that you get your, it detracts from the experience, right? It detracts from this thing that you fell in love with, it's the thing that you decided I needed to go be this mad, modern mountain man in the backyards of Alaska. True or not true?
2: I'd say both. But in the same breath, what by me doing that, like the same thing, the same reason why I love guiding, the same reason why I'm not interested in hunting that sheep for myself, that I want to take that 62 year old man and get him a dull sheep is I want to inspire that eight year old boy who, Mm. you know, didn't have the dad to take him trapping that I had or the grandpa that kind of showed me the way like to inspire them to show them what it's like because I remember what it was like I didn't know what it was I didn't know what it was really like and for me it it causes me particularly like in the editing process like what I've figured out now is that I do a much better job telling a story my story and my hunter's story of a hunt about 2 to 5 years after the hunt takes place um So yeah, I mean, you, you raise an interesting point point. that's one reason why I don't film my whitetail hunts here in Wisconsin is just, I want to be done with the camera. I just want to sit there. I want to have total reflection. I miss a lot of stuff and it kind of depends on the hunter. Like some hunters, it just comes natural. Like for me to film my hunt. And that's part of the reason why I don't want to ever have a cameraman because I know that as soon as a camera is pointing at me, that somebody else is in control of it. Like literally, it's like an extension for me. My video camera is about like a rangefinder. Really, mm-hmm. it's just kind of natural. But like heaven for me is when you wake up in the morning. You know, you're talking about thinking, and that's one thing. Like, I have the hardest time with with hunters. What I would call a book read hunter. He's probably read more about hunting than he's actually done. Is they're like, so what's our plan today? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And I'm like, well, we're going to head up that valley. <laughs>
1: Like, uh, what
2: else? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, when we get there, what are we going to do? Well, I don't know. Well, what if we saw, sheep, like this one guy he's like, what if we saw a sheep on this mountain? What would we do? I'm like, well, does he see us? Is he bedded? Is he illegal ram? Is he with, you know, it's like you have all these hypothetical questions. And in, in the real world of things, that works. You know, in the real world, if you call enough people, if you spend enough money, if you lay enough pressure or, you know, you want something bad enough, you can basically get it. But that attitude in the wilderness of Alaska will get you killed. What I find so refreshing about being in the wilderness is you wake up and you have this idea, all right, we're going to set off that way. And then from then on, all you can do is react. You -hmm. just got to let your instincts take over and you just react. It's just like. My mind is totally free and clear. You just got to roll with the punches. What happens? You have no idea. And and that's the be- the blessing and the curse of it is that you can pretty much bet that in 10 days, something's going to happen that you've never encountered before. And you're going to have to figure out, you know, how to get out of it or how to make your objective happen. And that's what it's just like being a kid when you go out, you know, and my, you know, growing up on a farm, like. The only thing that would ever like uh, interest me is I had to go deeper into the woods. I wanted to be in that woods where I didn't know where I was and not sure. I wanted to be lost. You know, I always wanted to find my way out, but I -hmm. I, something about it. I loved that feeling of not being in control. And I think every man, that's kind of what we all kind of want to know if we measure up in almost every realm of what we do. You know. No,
1: it's fascinating, man. It's fascinating, Uh, and and your point is well taken in that. The, you know, the videos are being done for that eight-year-old boy to inspire that eight-year-old boy that may not have an opportunity to go out hunting, may not have an opportunity to go trapping, may only hunt once a year or twice a year, and he's going to be influenced by you know things that you put out there versus seeing it the opposite, like more traditionalistic uh, viewpoint that is in the moment, Billy Moles is not getting everything he needs to get out of hunting because he's He's uh, you know distracted by the camera or distracted by this thing—the phone that we have in our hands all the time, right? That takes away from hunting. Uh, Brendan Burns from Kuyu says to me has said a lot of times. He says you either, you can't be good at social media and good at hunting.
2: I, I like I like Brendan, and he um, he told me one thing. He he sent me a bunch of gear because I was like really really hesitant with working with sponsors, and I had a conversation with Brendan, and he's like yeah, we'll send you some stuff. He goes, all I ask is you let me know what you think. And I kind of told him like right off the bat, I was kind of defensive. I'm like, you know, I don't plug products. I don't do that stuff. And he's mm-hmm. like, he goes, Hey man, I hear you. He goes, the consumer, they've figured that stuff out. They, they know what's real and what's fake. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this guy's speaking my language. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, so what are you looking for? Like, I didn't, I, I don't like going into a business deal I won't go into a business deal that I don't think I can hold up my end of the bargain. I just said, what are you looking, you know, what are you looking for? And he's like, just an honest review. And, you know, and I kind of told him, um, actually, Kuyu and Stone Glacier, I told him the same thing. It's like, hey, modern day mountain man's a Christian brand. I just want you to know that up front. And uh, Brendan Burns said, we'll send you some gear. All you got to do is be Billy Moles. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, right on. That's, that was I mean, the guy spoke my language, and I got a heap of respect for Brendan because I think he gets that. He -hmm. recognizes that, and I would say that that, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, like, he's kind of old school like I am. Like, I'd rather have, um, I I mean, yeah, I I want the stories from, I mean, I've worked with some really old school guys that, like, nobody knows their name, and they've had more grizzly bear charges than, you know, I've probably got fingers on my hands, you know.
1: Right, right, right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I got a heap for, heap of respect for Brennan.
1: Well it's you know, the just, you know, circling back to your understanding why you hunt, understanding your roots, understanding sort of your disconnect from disconnecting from this lifestyle that is city life and that it's not for you, that the outdoors and the wilderness is where and, you know, your heart sings and that thing that is inside you somehow, somewhere, uh, for some reason ignites. That's that's essentially what it's all about.
2: 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's what I've kind of come to recognize as my goal with these films is what that what I feel my obligation is to hunting and yeah, I guess I guess to the sport is to try to highlight highlight the interpersonal, emotional, and in spiritual impact that the wilderness has on a person. Because I recognize in my own time and experiences in hunting, that's why I go back. And so I feel like that's what I want to share because that's what I never see or have never seen in other films is just raw, candid, truthful humanness coming from, you know, the, the kind of stories that, that we as hunters share in the campfire when nobody else is around that we wiggle in our, uh, on, on the log before we tell the story and we, we clear our throat and we kind of stare at the, the fire for minutes before we actually tell it. Like those, like when you're in those kind of settings, that's when I think as men largely that's when we're most vulnerable because I think when you're in nature, you just, there's this certain connectivity, you know, that you hear about the balance of nature. Well, I think that comes from when you're immersed in nature, everything in nature does what it's created for. Everything in nature is black and white. There's no gray area in nature. When you get into the real world, the real world is nothing but gray. When you go into the wilderness, you know where the grizzly bear stands. Mm -hmm. You go out into the world, you know, there's a very finite number of people. If you're lucky, you've got a couple where you know where they stand you know, you've got your spouse or your children or your mom or your dad or your best friend, and you know that everything between you is black and white, the rest of the world's all gray area. In the wilderness, everything's black and white, and there is total peace.
1: Well said, my man. Well said, my man. Well, where can people find you? Let people figure out uh, where they can find you, learn a little bit more about you, Billy.
2: Yeah. Uh, where can they find me? Uh, Google search "Modern Day Mountain Man" Billy Moles Adventures is uh, com is my website. But yeah, if you Google search "Modern Day Mountain Man," you'll you'll find my garb.
1: The fact that you had to think about where to find you <laughs> says it all. Thank you. It <laughs> says it all.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm i i I'm the worst marketer in the world. There's no doubt about that.
1: No, you're the man. I appreciate the conversation. Short, sharp. To the point, exactly the kind of discussion and topics that uh, we like to hit and make people think. And I know that I made you think a little bit today with a little bit of pokey questions. I like it. I like it. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.